This afternoon, I invite you to book of Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. We're going to read a couple verses here in chapter 11, and then we'll be reading a verse in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 11, and we want to read verse number 10. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was a hundred years old and begot Artfaxel. Acts two years after the flood. And then in verse 27, it says, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begot Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begot Lot. Then down in chapter 12 and verse number 8, we're told, And he, that is Abraham, removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on his we- on the west, and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. For just a few moments tonight, I would like for us to consider the life of Abraham, not in any detail. We'll be hop skipping and jumping as we consider that of uh, his uh, life here upon uh, the earth. Abram, or Abraham, as we know him later in that of his history, he is the first great patriarch of ancient Israel. Nation of Israel began with Abraham, and through Abraham, uh, we come to know that of other patriarchs that uh, the Israelites looked back to. There was Isaac, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In chapter 11, which we read a couple verses. We have two genealogies. One is of Shem, and one is of Terah. Now I know, if you're like me, when you come to genealogies, it's not something that you like to read all that much. But genealogies are in the Scriptures for a reason. Believe it or not. Here as we take note of these two genealogies, that of Shem and that of Terah, what these two genealogies do is they tie the history that we are about to consider back all the way to that of Adam. We're not going to bore you with looking at all of that of the names. However, we'll just touch on just a few. Of course, we have that of Adam, first of all, we know in the very beginning, uh, who is in the beginning in, in the garden. And then we have that of Adam and Eve, and they have a son by the name of Seth. And it's true that of the genealogy of Seth that we have that of Noah. 
Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We have Shem, a descendant of Noah, and we have Terah, who is a descendant of Shem, who is the father of Abraham. Now hopefully you got that because there will be a test on that. You may say, well, why all the big to-do about the genealogy and, and that of the connecting links? Very important. Very important. Secondly, as we think about these genealogies, these genealogies are significant for God is seen acting. God is seen acting, fulfilling that of His purpose for the salvation of sinful humanity. The genealogy that we just drew your attention to, the two genealogies, it was through these two genealogies that we come up to that of Abraham, who is the father of the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel being the nation through which the promised one comes. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now if you turn over to Matthew chapter 1, And in verse number one, we have Matthew writing, and he says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Matthew, uh, here he gives us the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and it's through that of David, which we didn't go to. Not in that early history. But then we have that of Abraham. It goes back to that of Abraham. In verse number 8 of the 12th chapter, we have this recorded says, and he, that is Abraham, removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. In this passage, we learn of Remarks which characterized the life of Abraham. And in these marks, Abraham left a testimony for all who was around him. Marks are a tent, an altar, and calling upon the name of the Lord. A tent, an altar, and calling upon the name of the Lord. Now, going back to that of the genealogies, we raise the question, well, why is it so important about the genealogies? You know, uh, what's the big to do? We have approximately 4,000 years from that of Abraham. 
who lived approximately 4,000 years after Abraham. Evolutionists would have us believe that people were ape-like creatures and that they were cave dwellers back at that point in time. But the history that we have and these genealogies that we have, they, they tie us back all the way back to that of Abraham. It tells us something different. It tells us of a history that's different from that of the evolutionists or what they would have us believe. This history tells us, beloved, that there were indeed that of human beings that existed here upon the earth. And the first one was that of Adam. And from that of Adam, uh, as we looked in the genealogies, we have that of Seth. We have that of Noah. We have that of Shem. We have that of Terah. And we have that of Abraham. That brings us all the way up to the nation of Israel. These were real individuals. And in that history, we do not find that of ape-like creatures dwelling in that of caves, being cave dwellers. But we find that of men and women. And we find that of cities. We find that of cultures that were cultures that were very much great cultures in the day. We're told in Genesis 4 that Cain built a city and called the name of that city after the name of his son, Enoch. In Genesis chapter 10, we read of one by the name of Nimrod who was a mighty hunter. And Nimrod was, a responsible, was responsible for the early development in Mesopotamia, which led to the great civilizations of that region. Told in Genesis 10, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalna in the land of Shinar. Out of that went forth Asher and built Nineveh and the city Rehoboth and Kalna. Babylon. Babylon, associated with that of the Babylonians. Uh, Abraham, he came from the Ur of Chaldees, which was in the lower part of Babylonia. The city was a city that was a very prosperous city. It was one that worshipped, where there were many gods that were worshipped. There was the moon god, uh, uh, Sin, that was supreme in that city. Excavations tell us that there were beautiful jewelry in that day, art treasures, headwear, personal jewelry, dishes and cups. Don't sound like eight like creatures dwelling in caves to me. The history of Abraham begins in chapter 11 and it begins with that, of course, of his father, Terah. And them leaving their homeland 
God had called Abraham. And we don't find too much detail about that call until we come over into chapter 12. You know, in verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of the country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I'll make of thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, Stephen, over in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 2, he gives us some uh, details uh, about that of Abraham and uh, that of his call. In Acts chapter 7, verse 2, it says, And he, as Stephen said, Men and brethren and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. Or Charon, there in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, which is Haran in that of Genesis. Stephen tells us, with regards to that of Abraham, that the God of glory appeared unto him. The God of glory appeared unto him. Now what we know of that of Abraham and that of his family from Scripture is, is that they were idolaters. They lived in that of a city which was an idolatrous uh, city. And there in the midst of that darkness, God appeared unto one by the name of Abraham, Abram or Abraham as we know him later on. And he called him. The Lord had said, chapter 12, verse 1 of Genesis, looking back is what the writer is doing there. The Lord had said unto Abraham, Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. The God of Abraham called, or the God of glory called Abraham to leave his home. Not knowing where he was going to go. He gave him some promises. Promise about a seed. A promise about land. That from Him would come forth a nation. A people. This was a revelation. A revelation of God unto Abraham. And it was a glorious revelation. A man who was an idolater called to leave idolatry. A man who had no faith but was called to believe to have that of faith. One to whom the living God revealed Himself unto and it wasn't that Abram, that he was looking for the Lord. It wasn't that he was 
wanting to know more about God? No, it wasn't Abraham that chose God. It was God who chose Abraham. Which is exactly the same way that it is with all of His people. It's not us choosing Him. It's Him choosing us first. And after He chooses us, then we readily choose Him. This revelation, it changed Abraham's life. Not for the moment, but beloved, it changed his life forever. And that's what, beloved, the revelation like Abraham received does. When God calls beloved one unto Himself, their life is changed forever. It is that of a call of grace. Free grace. For you see, there was absolutely nothing in Abraham to cause God to show Himself unto him. Absolutely nothing. He was an idolater. He worshipped that of idols. Just like we did in that of our darkness also. We worshipped idols. Maybe we didn't bow down to that of idols carved out out of wood. Like we think of it. Or out of stone. But beloved, we had our idols that we worshipped. And it wasn't until that Gospel of light, that revelation of God, came in, beloved, that our lives were changed. Abraham was given a promise. That promise was the promise of the promised seed. I want to go off course here for just a moment from the message. I'm reminded of a statement that the Lord made with regards to that of Abraham. I believe it's in the Gospel of John. The Lord said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Now, how do you suppose that Abraham saw the day of Christ? And what does it mean that he rejoiced? Abraham saw that of the day of Christ in that to him was given the promise. And not only was given to him that of the promise, but beloved, as we look on a little bit later in that of the history of Abraham, we have God telling Abraham, take your only son Isaac, who had been promised unto him, take him and go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there upon the mountain. What a picture, beloved. I realize we're looking back and it's easy to look back and to put things in to that of history. But beloved, I don't think it's putting something into history when we 
look at that of what we have here of Abraham taking his only son and taking him and offering him up upon the altar and saying, here we have Christ in the Old Testament. Here we have that of the sacrifice of Christ in the Old Testament. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. What did he believe God for? What did he believe? What was it that he believed? He believed, beloved, that of the message that God gave unto him concerning the promised seed. He believed in that seed, just like, beloved, we believe only looking back to that one who came, Jesus Christ. We're told here in our text After Abraham left his home, in verse number four it says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and the Lord Lot went with him, and Abraham was seventy five years old when he departed out of Aaron. Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substances that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abraham passed through the land under the place of Sichem, under the plain of Moray, and the Canaanites was then in the land. Note that last statement is important. The Canaanites were in the land. Beloved, where did these Canaanites come from? Who were they? <coughs> you see, the Bible, it focuses in here in the, in the 12th chapter, it focuses in into that of the life of Abraham because he is the main character. But it mentions that there's Canaanites idolaters as far as we know they were in the land and the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto, unto him unto thy seed will I give this land and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east and there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord Abraham took God's word. He received a call to leave and he did. By faith, he left. He left his homeland. He came to that of the land of Canaan uh, in search of that land that God had told him he would give unto him. That of the seed that he was going to have. Beloved, it was by faith that he did this. We're told in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. 
By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Beloved, Abraham didn't, didn't just get up and leave, beloved. It wasn't that he had a light shine to him and he thought to himself, well, I need to go to the land of Canaan. Beloved, he had an actual revelation unto him of God. There in the Ur of Chaldees, beloved, God revealed himself unto him as God and promised to him that he would give him a seed and promised him that of land. And so here he, here he comes trusting in God who had revealed himself unto him. Trusting out of the promise that God had made unto him. The promises. And how did he come? How did he come? He came wondering. He came with a tent. And as he traveled, the tent characterized his life. He was in search for a permanent dwelling, but he never did find it. Did he? He was in the world, but not settling down. He had his complete trust and faith in God that God was going to reveal more unto him. He was a transient, just a temporary guest. Beloved, his faith was in God and it was a firm faith. In those words that God had spoken unto him. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, And in chapter 5, and in verse 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we'd have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Ah, beloved. We're just living here in this world in a tent. A tent that is frail. A tent, beloved, that is going to come down one day. A tent of which the poles that hold it up are going to be taken down. And never again to be raised. But beloved, as Paul writes here, he says, we know we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Beloved, that's what Abraham was looking for. Beloved, he was looking for that city. He was looking for that dwelling place, beloved, with God. 
And beloved, as he traveled through the land of Canaan, which was a picture of the promised land, beloved, it was by that of the way of a tent. As a pilgrim, knowing, beloved, that his, he, was, he was just traveling through. Did he leave a mark? You bet you. Remember, I drew your attention to that statement that the Canaanites were in the land. Beloved, those Canaanites, they took note of Abraham. They knew, he, they knew that he was in the land. And how did they know he was in the land, beloved? They knew he was in the land, that he was traveling to the land by that of the tent, beloved, that characterized that of his life. And the way that he walked. He didn't settle down. He didn't have a lot. He didn't have a lot of material goods or things because he was traveling through the land. Whenever Kathy and I go on a trip, <laughs> you got to see our car. <laughs> I always tell her as I begin to put stuff in the car, I don't believe we're going to get it all in there. <laughs> we usually do. <laughs> yeah, he was in the world and he was not settling there. He had his complete trust and faith in God. But there's another characteristic that characterized his life or another mark and that was the altar. The altar. If you look back over here in chapter 12 of Genesis. In verse number 7 it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thee thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched. I'm sorry. And he moved from thence on the mountain on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Twice in verse 7, verse 7 and 8, we have, beloved, that of Abraham building an altar. Building an altar. There's other places uh, throughout that of uh, Genesis and the history of Abraham that we read of Abraham uh, building that of an altar. An altar spoke of that of worship. It spoke of the need of sacrifice. Sacrifice for sin. And you say, well, how did Abraham know about it? God has a way of revealing things. 
Abraham built an altar to bring sacrifice on the Lord and to approach God to worship Him. Think of Genesis chapter 22 where we have that of Abraham and Isaac. The altar. Abraham and his son going up to the mountain to worship. Binding Isaac and placing him on the altar. Taking the knife to slay him. Oh, I guess there's a lot that you could read into that. Abraham left his mark of an altar in the plain of Moray, Bethel, Mount Moriah. And beloved, to Isaac and Jacob, they came to know about that altar. And where do you suppose they found out about the altar? It was through Abraham. Isaac built, built an altar. We're told in Genesis 26, verse 25. And Jacob built an altar in Genesis chapter 33, and verse 20. Worship. Worship. The third characteristic that characterized Abraham's life and was a mark that he left Left for that of his family and for all who were around him, beloved. All that knew Abraham, beloved. They knew him, beloved, as one that was a tent dweller. They knew him as one that built altars. And they knew him as one that called upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 4, verse 26 is the first place that we read of the fact that men began to call upon the name of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 8, we find Noah building an altar. We don't read anything there with regards to Noah uh, as far as calling upon the name of the Lord. But I would suggest to you that just like that of repentance and faith, Beloved, they go together. They're, they're joined together. I would say to you, beloved, that where you have the altar, you also have that of calling upon the name of the Lord. The idea of calling upon the name of the Lord again has the idea of worship. That of calling upon the Lord for that of His assistance. Or that of his guidance, direction. Here he was wandering through a land that he knew absolutely nothing about. But beloved, he had the best guide. He had the Lord God as his guide to direct him. And beloved, likewise, for each and every one of us here tonight as the children of God, we have him also as that of our guide to direct that of our lives. 
He looked unto the Lord for his needs to be met. Calling upon the name of the Lord <coughs> suggests that of faith, that of trust, reliance on the Lord. What about you tonight? What about your life tonight? Is your life leaving that of a mark? Or marks? What are those marks that characterize that of your life that you're leaving behind for those who are your loved ones? For those who are your friends? For those who you come into contact maybe in a general way. What mark are you leaving for them? Or marks? Is it the mark of accumulation of that of earthly material goods? Or is it the mark of a pilgrim? In the world, but not of it. Not tied down to it. Oh, all of us. All of us have material goods. And we hold on to them, don't we? I'm the worst. My wife will testify to that. What about the altar? The place of prayer? Sacrifices have already been made. Out of calling upon the name of the Lord. Alright. In the back of your bulletin we have that old hymn if you still have it. Sing the second and third stanza. No, second and third stanza. Dying thief, you're dying right.
May the Lord bless you.